Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in. Welcome in to a Friday edition of the DNVR Avalanche podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Jesse, AJ, Megan, we're waiting on Rudo. He's got a situation like I had a couple weeks ago. He's got some folks showing up to his house. uh, So he's needing to make sure that they get all squared away so he can jump on with you nice folks. But we didn't want to leave you all waiting. Uh, And so Rudo said, go ahead and get it started. I'll be there in just a minute. Uh, it's Friday. Rookie camp opened yesterday. We are so, so close to being officially out of this off season. And really when you look around the league, uh, rookie tournaments have already opened. I think pretty much everyone's rookie camp has officially opened. Uh, you have guys back in town pretty much on every team doing their own skates. Feels like it was just, just a few weeks ago. Cause it kind of was. But, Megan, AJ, uh, hockey season is back. Is there anything just before we kind of, like, get into this uh, that you guys were specifically excited for about this season or, like, this upcoming week? Because training camp's always just a fun it – it, it's, it's a fun week that's kind of like the official start of the season. Um, is there anything in particular you guys are looking forward to? For me, this is the first – season I will be doing this from the beginning to end I kind of jumped in at the middle last year um, and it was in November that I really started to pick things up but it was focused on Eagles coverage so I feel like I'm just excited to experience this season from this lens doing this work at the very beginning from training camp on it feels exciting to be a part of a defending title team too at that point for sure no yeah the defending team adds a (laughs) Adds a fun element to it. Uh, I didn't talk last year. Yeah. Uh, AJ, obviously, this isn't your first season here. Uh, so now... Are you calling me old? No. It's not my first season here either. <laughs> um, I can call you old if you'd like. Uh, but yeah. is there something that you're looking forward to this year that maybe is different than years past? Just with kind of the, the different approach to this season for the team? No, I think it's the same stuff that always gets me excited about hockey season. It's the same stuff that has me excited now. Yeah. Um, I'm. It's funny, the games themselves have always kind of been secondary for me. They aren't my favorite part of hockey. Uh, obviously, I love watching the game and I love all that, but I love, I love all the off-season stuff. I love all the team building and I love all the building the puzzle around uh, the salary cap and how guys fit in and different play styles. And 
I love the I love the trying to figure out, you know, who's going to who's going to be like your big breakout star this year, you know, right. like you see the NHL's uh doing their the NHL networks doing their like top 50 players or whatever and uh they've got more at cider at like 41 I think. <laughs> and a year ago, that would not have been a thing that anybody would have been comfortable with and now it's like it's probably a little aggressive for me, but also he was Not really much. good last year. Yeah. So, you know, trying to figure that stuff. Like I, I always love, you know, as a prospect guy, as a draft guy, I always love the young player breaking into the league and ascending and all that. And I think, uh, I, I think it's going to be, you know, from from an abs perspective, it's not, you know. It's the same as last year. It's Alex Newhook. It's Bowen Byram. Like, you know, and Ben Myers also, you know, that will be interesting. Yeah. But with, with you know, it's it's one thing when a guy, it's like, okay, you need to kind of prove that you belong. You know, Newhook and Byram were doing that last year. And now it's like, okay, they did that. What's next? Yeah. You know, when Byram, mm-hmm. his game went to such a place in the Stanley Cup final that it was like, holy shit, like, this guy could be an absolute superstar at the position. And with Alex Newhook, you're just like, well, we didn't see that. <laughs> right, right. So what's next for that kid? And right. it's easy, It's easy, I think, to be down-ish um, when you're like, oh, he wasn't really a big part of that run, and he was he was getting a really small role at the end, and he, well, he didn't do a ton with it and this and that. And then you remember, like, from the moment he got drafted, he was awesome. Yeah. Basically, every step of the way, except for last preseason. And then he went down to the AHL, was awesome, came back, and resumed. Awesome. And so it was like, it, he's, this. that's the stuff that I think really kind of gets me excited about the game and gets me excited to go to the rink. And, you know, it's uh, it's not that I take for granted uh, that we get to watch Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr every day. I certainly don't. Um, those are those are special. And I I told Dario yesterday at rookie camp. I said, when I'm old, I think Kale McCarr will be the athlete that I'll look back and say I got to watch him play, mm-hmm. like up close from the start. Like that's gonna be the he'll probably be the athlete that I am most enamored with. Uh, at the like at, at the end of my life, you know, in the later stages of my life, when I'm looking back on it, and it's yeah. like, what do you take away? What do you remember? What are the things that you're thankful for? And having a, having a, a life that is built around sports and stuff, it's going to be a lot of that. Um, Kale McCarr is just that special. So yeah, it's funny because it's Kale McCarr, and it'll probably be Nikola Jokic too. And they're happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was funny. <laughs> this morning I was reminded of the video during the playoffs of that drone running into Kale McCarr standing on the bench. Uh, <laughs> just, it was just really, it was just a funny memory that I had completely forgotten. But no, dude, you're right. Like I've, I've, I've talked about that before, how I spent so much time like, you know, in, in years past being jealous of, of fans of teams like Pittsburgh and Washington, like, man, you get to watch these generational players, 82 games a year, you know, 
forget even, you know, practices and, and morning skates and stuff, but like, wow, how special that this isn't like, yeah, you got to make sure to go see them once when they roll into town. Cause you'll never get to see them again or whatever. You'd see them every night. And then you step back and it's like, okay, Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon. And then that next tier down, you got a guy like Nico Rantanen. And it's like, uh, yeah, we get to watch these dudes every single day. And, and you realize like, wow, you're not envious of, you know, fans of Pittsburgh and Washington anymore. Cause you don't just have one, you have two, or, you know, two bona fide superstar, depending on the time of year you ask and who you're asking, like arguably two top three players in the world. Um, well, it's just, and, it's, and it's super special. I mean, you've got that, but Miko ranted, it exists. Yeah, I was going like, to say, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like that I guy, mean. that guy is exceptional. Yeah. He is a phenomenal hockey player. And through no fault of his own, he kind of gets lost in that shuffle a little bit. It's funny because I don't think he's underrated because I think that every every fantasy hockey list, every top list of right wings, every top list of top 50 players, Miko Rantanen is up there. He's mm-hmm. always up there. When that NHL list gets there, if he's not in the top 15, I'll be surprised. Like, he's an exceptional hockey player. But it's just McKinnon and McCarr are like those guys. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, and... It's kind I'm of like how Ovi. you know he's super good, but well, and like Latang in Pittsburgh with Malkin mm-hmm. and Crosby, you know, like Latang is like that third guy, and you're just like, Chris Latang has had an unbelievable career, <laughs> and it kind of gets lost in that shuffle. There's something exciting about being involved from this point in the process on for players like a new hook and a Byram because. For someone like Amico, we've seen them at earlier stages of the career remembering things like training camp and what they looked like when they first broke into the league through now. It reminded me of something Wilsey said to media yesterday about how he watched a lot of these guys through scouting in college, like Kale McCarr, like JT Comfer, even though he was acquired through trade. And to see them lift a cup last year is really rewarding for front office. And we get to be a part of this rookie tournament, looking at young guys and then looking ahead at someone like Newhook, hoping that this is his breakout season in hopes that a few seasons from now, we're going to be talking about Newhook the same way we're talking about Miko Rantanen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, so, cause you, yeah, you were, you were reading through those quotes. Like he, uh, Wilsey mentioned Miko Rantanen too. And he's another one that, yeah, he only spent one year in the AHL, but I think everyone kind of forgets like that is someone who went through the development process, did the the dev camp, did the rookie camp stuff. Um, yeah. It's, it's been super fun to watch this group come a long way. And um, yeah, there is just a uh, AJ. I think you mentioned it yesterday. Like I, I said it yesterday at camp, like it's a really weird feeling at camp. Usually you come in every year, like you're looking for like, okay, who are the guys that make the difference this year? Who, who can help get them over the hump? Uh, you know, training camp and PTOs and all that stuff. And this year it's kind of like, Sweet. Can you run it back? Can you just do the same thing? Ben Myers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've already kind of, we've just talked a little bit more about stuff that we're excited for. And I think that than I thought, and I think it just kind of speaks to um, 
Yeah, we got the shortest off season of like any local media and we're still ready to get back to it. Like it's just uh, being able to like go through that run with the abs and, 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 and see them actually get to that final goal. Like, you know, Eric Johnson did that interview with uh, Altitude Radio yesterday or two days ago. And he was saying like, look, like I genuinely believe it's possible. Guys even want it more now. Like now that you've had it once, it's like you want it again. And, and again, it just, it, it feels a little bit that way for everyone that's involved, right? Like you went through it. That was dope. <laughs> this has been like. What happens, if, what happens if they repeat the picture with, of Eric Johnson laying in bed with the cup? Does he clone himself? Is there another Eric Johnson that they can get to hop in that bed for that picture? Yeah, fewer sheets, though, I'd imagine, for next year's photo. If, 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 if EJ goes back-to-back, it's just that, that photo, but no sheets. Like, just full, like, spread eagle with the cup. Um, anyways, this was meant to be like okay. a segue. <laughs> End of pod. Yeah, yeah, we're probably just going to... Allie, we're going to have to cut this one short. Friday. I, I think we've covered table. everything by now. I've also learned that this tabletop is not fixed to this table. Um, this was meant to be kind of like a, we're on the precipice of, of the season getting going. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we've, you know, uh, what we're seeing with the abs. We talked a lot, obviously, yesterday about um, what we saw on the ice. I want to get into a little bit today, uh, at least until Rudo gets here, if he has other plans. Um you know, what are we expecting out of some of those guys we talked about yesterday, this upcoming week? Uh, you know, guys like Ben Myers, uh, Oscar Lassen, once they get back from that rookie tournament, what are we expecting out of them at main camp? Uh, and then I do want to get into a couple guys that maybe we are looking ahead to uh, at main camp, guys like Newhook, guys like Byram, Evan Rodriguez to, a, you know, kind of a different column of what we're looking for out of those vets too. But before we did that, I did want to talk just a little bit about uh, some of the news that we're seeing circulate around the league. Uh, and I want to start, AJ, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you. Um, we've talked a lot about Winnipeg uh, this summer and how this is a season for them that they have to kind of decide where they're going. Are you stripping down this core and starting the rebuild? Do you still think you're in it? You have an elite goaltender, so you're kind of always in the fight new coach they're trying to figure out where they're going and they announced today they're doing the hard reset on uh i believe they called it a leadership uh regroup thank you yes uh and and blake wheeler no longer the captain aj just obviously you have the closest ties to this organization uh in terms of you are married to someone who has a very big vested interest in uh what they do what the freaking f is going on in the peg no, I think it was this writing was on the wall um, that Blake Wheeler uh, was not an effective captain. Certainly last year, uh, part of the issues that they have had. Look, that's a talented hockey team. You go and you yeah. look at their roster, uh, and when you say, "Oh, okay, well, you have to tear it down," okay, well, how do you tear it down? You've got to trade Mark Shifley. You've got to trade yeah. Pierre Luc Dubois. Uh, at that point, why would you keep Nick Ehlers? Why would you keep Kyle Connor? You know, like you're you're talking about, okay, and then at that point, why would you keep Connor Hellebuck, who's still, you know, who's going to be entering into that that age of his career where it's like by the time you come back, uh, by the by the time you come back out of uh, uh, out of irrelevance here, he could be 35 years old, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, why? 
Like, why? You know, <laughs> how much work do you have to do here? So the smart play here is try and get everybody in that room to act like an adult for once. Uh, and I think taking the C off of Blake Wheeler is a great move. Uh, I'll tell you, being – I don't want to get super into it, but being around I, – I, I covered both of the games in Winnipeg last year that the Avs were in. They were a couple weeks apart at the end of the season. The Avs were in complete do-not-give-a-fuck mode at that point. Uh, it could not have been cozier in their position. Uh, just in the universe in general, they were not <laughs> pressed about anything. Uh, and Winnipeg was burning. You know, the Jets organization, I was there hanging out with Jets media for one day. And it was like hot goss left and right. Like yeah. it, there was, I mean, media was frustrated because of the way that players had started getting really touchy about doing interviews. And, and you know, because that, that last year was a major disappointment for the Jets. Yeah. And... They were all they were all in that kind of defensive position where they were like, yeah, this has been a failure of a season. But they were still in it. So you're like, technically we're not mathematically eliminated. We're here to try and do work. We're here to try and climb out of this. We're here to, you know, whatever. All the platitudes. And right. you could just tell that team didn't like each other. They didn't like playing together. Uh, it was very selfish. On the ice, you would watch a guy... A, a guy would just change mid-shift, leave his teammate hanging out to dry, and, oh, there's an odd man, odd man rush going the other way. You know, stuff like the that. And and you're, just, you're just talking about they, they, were not, they were not invested in being a team. They weren't playing for each other. Yeah, They were hardly playing for themselves. Uh, and, you know, when, when Paul Maurice walked out uh, and, and then Dave Lowry took over, Dave Lowry didn't try and rock the boat. He didn't try and put his own imprint on the organization he tried to just say hey let's just keep smooth sailing here uh and which uh you know whatever but the leadership group clearly let them down and mark shifley took a lot of the heat for it last year and mark shifley and blake wheeler have been like bffs for a long time wheels kind of got out of the way and let mark shifley take that heat just stand in that in that in front of the firing squad of the media, and that's not what your captain should be doing. Your right. captain should be first right. in line there, and uh, I I just think this was this was a good move. I don't know. I, it feels like a half measure to me because I think that uh, in talking with Z earlier today, I I likened it to being at a, any other job, right? And you have a project manager, and the project isn't going the way that that the company wants. So they take the project manager off of the thing, but he's still part of the project, but right, they right. don't give a, they don't name a new manager. And so now you kind of have like this, like headless unit sort of wandering around in the dark, trying to figure out who's going to step up. Who's going to, who's going to be the, the, the voice in that room. Who's going to be the adult. Who's going to take the reins. Uh, and I, I, I'm curious to see kind of what becomes of this, but uh, you know, they, they've got deeper issues than that. Uh, but it, 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 I think this was a good move. I think that this was a necessary move to start with. And, you know, Wheeler, Wheeler just pro had, had proven himself to be ineffective the last couple of years when things went South, it was, I'm either not going to be accountable. I'm not going to be standing in front of the media, answering questions, taking the heat for this. I'm going to let my teammates 
eat this on my behalf, or uh, I'm going to be a guy that makes a lot of excuses. And that's mm-hmm. just not, that's not how you lead. It's not effective right. leadership. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not that hard to lead when things are going well. You know, yeah. you're, you're out in front, you get to take credit for a lot of things. You're playing great hockey. It's, oh man, we're, we're good. And there's this, there's that, but uh, you know, Wheeler for me, Wheeler just was not, he, he did not, he did not handle it very well. And uh Shifley's always been kind of a, a sensitive guy. Uh, so him being the one that had to, had to own and wear a lot of the Jets failures last year really dug at him, I think. Yeah. And I, I we're going to see kind of what he's made of this year. You know, how does he respond? Uh, how, how does he respond to that adversity? How does, how does he own that? Does he build himself back up and, res- and, and have a great year and bounce back and show everybody that, Hey, this isn't such a character question. Or does he kind of fold in into himself a bit and, you know, withdraw and have another poor season and he can't handle it. He can't handle that pressure and that criticism and that heat. And he does become a very polarizing and and divisive guy because going into a free agency, you know, in two years, what do you make of a guy like that? So it's a really big year for the Jets to, 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 they really, really need to figure out who and what they are now. So two things there with, with what you said. We talked yesterday, right, on, on yesterday's show about how hard it is to truly build, like, a, a championship culture, if you will, yeah. right? Like that, that true winning mentality where you show up to the rink, you expect to win, uh, you know, you're not phased by getting down. Again, look, obviously it's easy to point to the abs, but even the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? That's a team that on paper – wasn't as good as the, some of the teams they knocked off. Like, they just weren't on, on paper. But they, they had that mentality. They get down 2 nothing against the Rangers, and you could just tell in the way they played. It was They weren't phased. It didn't bother them. And that comes from, from strong leadership in the room. And that's something that has to be built over several years. And Drew here in the comments kind of, kind of beat me to the second point. I'll say the second thing I wanted to call out was you mentioned Blake Wheeler, and it's easy to be a good leader when things are going well. You go back to that 48-point season, Jerry Bednar's first year as the Abs head coach, that to me is where this culture really started. Obviously, (laughs) there was a lot of ups and downs that year, but it was exactly what Drew in the comments said of after every game, AJ, I remember us talking about this on, on the shows in the media school, you go into that locker room after every game and during the 48 point season, most of them were losses. And Gabe Landeskog stood there and answered every last question for ever. And it wasn't just Gabe Landeskog. It was, it was a lot of guys on the team. They answered every question. They took accountability. They didn't throw anyone under the bus. They didn't say, oh, well, well, Patrick Law left and we have these new guys and it's a new yeah, coach. The, and that, that, that. It been really the guys easy. who turned it around were the ones that were still standing at their stalls saying, we got problems here. Yep. And, and, and again, like you saw it, sorry, Megan, you, you saw it there at the very, very beginning of that, that next season. Again, I mentioned it yesterday. The team talks about that Sweden trip, the Duchesne trade had happened. Sam Gerard is here. Uh, and they kind of looked around the room and said, this is it. This is the group right here that we are going to build a, a championship team out of. And they did in just five years. It's, it's hard to build that culture, and the Jets are a great example of a team that can be extremely talented 
but still suck because you don't have the right direction. Uh, Megan, sorry, I cut you off. I think too, this is where we give a lot of credit to the future thinking that the front office had, even in drafting Landis Gog, bringing him into the picture and recognizing that the core that was once thought to be a Duchesne and O'Reilly could actually revolve around a player like Landis Gog. And it also emphasizes the importance of strong captaincy because at such a young age, they viewed him in that role. And it's because of his ability to adapt in adversity and be a strong captain, I think that he deserves a lot of credit for. And it's the reason that he's the captain of a Stanley Cup winning team now. He's an emotional um, leader for sure. It started there. You know, he saw the Avs through some of their roughest years and he took on that responsibility at an incredibly young age that 19. it's almost impossible to believe. Um, and he saw it through to a, a Stanley Cup winning team. And I think that deserves a lot of credit. Um, and it's kind of coming back to this consistency that needs to happen over a long time. Like it makes me think of Vegas and how there are no quick fixes. If there's a culture problem, you can't circumvent the cap your way into an immediate resolution. And that's what the jets are facing right now is having to dismantle before rebuild begins. And I think that's going to take time, but it starts with a commitment. And I think that's where you start to untool and undo some of the things that were not working. Yeah, I definitely think that there. These are the Megan. You bring you bring up Vegas, uh, but but Vegas, Winnipeg, great examples of talent isn't enough. Yeah, you know, and well, and it's and it's it's like in life, right? Like you get into a really bad relationship with somebody that you deeply care about. Love isn't enough. Mm-hmm. You have to work at it. You have to. You, there has to be work put into making things go the way that you want them to and uh when it comes to building a hockey team you can't just be like that guy's good that guy's good that guy's good great we're gonna be good like if they don't like playing together if they don't fit a style and and this is where this is where paul maurice i think hurt them because paul maurice has not been an effective nhl head coach the majority of his tenure and he's one of the longest tenured head coaches in nhl history and he has he has not been a very good head coach. And why that ended up, he ends up with the, getting to coach the President's Trophy team, I think is going to be a fascinating litmus test for that. Um, but, but with like the Jets, with Vegas, you're just talking about how you operate as an organization matters. How you treat your players, how your players treat each other, the culture that you set up day-to-day living and breathing as a member of that organization, it matters. And it was a thing that was a big issue in Colorado for a long time. The weird thing, the thing, the thing that happened in Colorado that will always shock me is that guys who were part of the leadership group when it was bad became part of the leadership group when it was good. Because mm-hmm. that's not a normal thing that happens. Normally, you're like, we got to clean this out. But they believed, guys like Landis Scott, guys like EJ, when, when the, abs ha- the abs had opportunities to move on from them, when they were rebuilding, those guys said, we want to be part of the answer here. We want to figure out how to do this the right way. And they flipped that script. That's really hard to do. The makeup of a team is is so important. And it's part of the reason why you've heard guys like uh, Nathan McKinnon 
say that he didn't want to be captain, that it was Landy, and you've heard guys say, yeah, we need Landy here to keep McKinnon in check. Your best player isn't always your leader. you got to have your leaders. Speaking of team members, we've added one. Rudo's here. Uh, I was about to do the first ad break. I'll do the first one, then I'm turning this back over to you after. I just want to know why that background. Yeah, me too. Uh, Because it's it's like I was caught in traffic. All right, I like (laughs) it. Yep, I like it. I wasn't, but... But you could have been. Uh, Well, this is the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Jesse, Megan, AJ, and now the man himself, Rudo. Uh, Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. We're also brought to you guys by Ibaka TV. I swear, I'm talking with people about Ibaka like five days a week right now as we're getting closer to the season. Uh, Just everyone's looking for that uh, solution for abs and nuggets, and Ibaka has it. Uh, They deliver amped up sports coverage for Colorado fans. Fans featuring Altitude, AT&T, Sportsnet, and NFL Network. Uh, plus, I was actually in their channel lineup today. You're going to get all those major national channels that are going to have all your Broncos games. So really, Ivaca TV, if you are a Denver sports fan, this is the only place to go. Uh, over 60 entertainment channels, including uh, news, movies, plus so much more. Uh, Ivaca is only $25 a month, plus your $5 receiver fee. Right now, Colorado sports fans can get $10 off per month for their first three months. All you have to do is go to evoca.tv slash Colorado 10. That's evoca.tv slash Colorado 10. And they've got altitude. That really could be the whole read. Get Evoca. They've got altitude. Watch the ads and nuggets with the click of a button. Uh, starting here in just a couple weeks because nuggets get going like right around the same time as ads, yeah? Uh, I think I saw a tweet today that said they're 31 days from the open of the NBA season. So shit, like three or four days behind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they well, they usually their training camp and their preseason is a little bit different. Um, yeah. They they're usually like a week or two behind the Avs. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, make sure you get hooked all hooked up with Ivaca. It's the best price. It's the best picture. And it's all the best sports. We're also brought to you guys by Breckenridge Brewery. And they have a birthday coming up, 32. And they're throwing a weekend-long hoop nanny. Uh, kick off the fall with live music, food, beer, obviously. Uh, and games October 8th and 9th at the Littleton location. Uh, they've got national acts like the Spin Doctors and local favorites like Railroad Earth rocking out. So stay tuned to everything. Uh, DNVR for the hoop nanny giveaways leading up to October 8th. Breckenridge Brewery is the official beer of DNVR. Or Rudo, take back over for this second period. Well, first of all, pick of the week for everybody. Right now, you can bet on McKinnon to win the heart at plus 1,000. I'm doing or you it. can bet on McCarr to win the heart at plus 1,500. No, nope, it's McKinnon's year. So either way, pretty darn good odds. Uh, good options as far as abs bets to be making on individual yeah, no players right there. I think McCarr for the Norris is like plus 175. It's not even very good odds. Uh, so Hart might be the way to go for, for betting on the abs individuals this year. But you can go over to DraftKings right now. Use code DNBR when you sign up to get amazing odds boosts every single day. You can bet $5 on any NFL game and get $200 in free bets instantly with that new account and the DNBR code. So do that. Take those free bets. Maybe bet them on uh, McKinnon to win the heart. That's all I'm saying. Jump on it that way. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Of course, we have a gambling problem. 
Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. I, I don't know what you guys have talked about. Already. And, I'm, and I'm re- I realized that yeah. halfway through your pick of the week. I was like, I told him to take over, and he has no idea what we're talking about. Uh, Did you guys see Roger Federer retired? No. Good for him. Yeah, he's uh, retiring after the uh, Labor Cup. So, what a career. I know. I was looking at the numbers this morning. It was like 5 o'clock in the morning, and I was awake for some unknown reason. And I was going through his career, and I was just like, my God. My entire <laughs> adulthood has been spent watching Roger Federer shred tennis. And then, like, the Rafa uh, showed up, and then Djokovic showed up, and he had the three greatest men's tennis players of all time at the same time. A lot of fun. Well, he's one of those guys that, like, uh, you never thought he'd actually retire. <laughs> it's like, a little... just, he's, he's played forever. You assume he'll always play forever. That's that's crazy. Well, and it was just, I, I remember he was, like, 37, 38, and he's, like, watching him at, like, the U.S. Open, and you're, like, he's still doing things to like these younger dudes that are trying to replace him, you know, trying to, trying to be the next generation. And Rex is also upset that feds is, is retiring, but uh, just the grace that he played with and everything that he was as a professional, it, it was like the model of like what you think a professional athlete should be. He was mm-hmm. you know, gracious with his time, uh, was really active uh, with charities and 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 uh, spending time with kids and you know giving back to to the game and was was just an incredibly easy athlete to watch and appreciate and root for in his time. Was not my favorite to, to actually watch. He was never my favorite tennis player, but um, one of those guys that it was like it was impossible to watch his career and not appreciate it. For sure. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's crazy that we're getting into this like point in our lives where ultra generational talents and stuff are retiring. It's really uh, like it's our, like guy, like people that have been like my generational talent, right, are starting to hang them up and move on. And, you know, now people who are born in the 2000s are taking over and I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to be upset to see. uh like like guys like Sidney Crosby retire where it's like whoa I watched yeah. this dude's entire career. Um, anyways, let's uh, let's get back on track over here. What what I was wanting to get into now was again we talked about some of these kids yesterday, how they looked on the ice. We're gonna be talking about them a lot relative to their peer group over the weekend, uh, and we'll have a, a big live show watch along thing on Monday. But I do want to I, I want to project a little bit here. Um, and if there's anybody in particular that maybe you guys are, are thinking of as of right now, and maybe we'll have some different answers on Monday, but in terms of the guys who are going to be at this rookie tournament next week, for me, my guy is sample rant that I'm going to be really watching closely, uh, once we get to main camp. So I just want to know, are there any guys from this weekend that you are going to have a special vested interest in once they get on the uh, ice with the vets? And is there anything in particular that you are maybe expecting out of, I expect to see hypothetically Shane Bowers show up and, you know, look like he's on his last chance. Is, is there anything in particular about these young guys that stands out to you guys about main camp? 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, just because he's going to be on the team and we don't know what he is in the NHL, like Ben Myers has to be like the center of that interest. Because uh, it's not like, oh, well, can Sampo make the team? Can he make a case for the team? Can he put himself in a position to be one of the first call? No, like Ben Myers is going to be on team. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay, what the hell is he? Because if he can, if he can successfully be that that three C, you know, and be a thirty point guy and win faceoffs and be defensively responsible and all that, you know, that's a free that you know that's a free player that they got just by convincing him to be in have. Yeah. <laughs> and and you are talking like look like they're right now it looks like you know if, if we put Rodriguez in as 2C then you have a third line of a third line combination of something of Newhook Myers and Comfer and on paper it's a really interesting third line mm-hmm. it's three centers <laughs> uh so they're very interchangeable it'll be it'll work really nicely with the way that the Avs kind of play the game where it's very fluid and guys, you know, guys don't play like very like strict, like he's a left wing. So he's only on the left side ever, you know, like the apps play a little more fluid than that. But uh, anyway, like I, I just think that with Myers, how quickly he hits the ground running uh, and to what level, because look, if it doesn't work with Myers and that's, you know, he's a, a fourth line guy or, He's a healthy scratch. Where do you go? Because the Avs, the Avs spent all their money bringing the, bringing the guys back. But they did it at the cost of the depth. There's no mm-hmm. Nico Sturm waiting uh, on the other side there. There's no Tyson Jost at the end of that lineup. There's no Nicholas Abe-Kubel at the end of that lineup. Curtis McDermott is first in line, right now anyway. He's first in line at both forward and defense. If something happens, if there's an injury or there's a or, uh, an underperformance of some kind, like Curtis McDermott right now is is your guy, is your next up. And McDermott was fine last year, but on the fourth line, like okay, now which guy is it going to be? LOC is it going to be Cogliano? Is it going to be Helm? One of the downsides of bringing back that entire group is that none of those guys can moonlight really as third line players. Logan O'Connor had an exceptional two weeks last year where it was like, oh my God, this what's happening here? But beyond that, none of those guys at this point in their careers belong anywhere other than a fourth line. And so Ben Myers, you know, Ben Myers' success or failure this year is going to be really important. So I think, I think he's the easy answer. He's the obvious answer that because I decided to jump the, jump the line this time. Love it. I get to steal the easy answer. Uh, ben Ben Myers is just that important. He's a really important guy for the Avs this year. Important is a good word, do I think, to associate with him? Not just like exciting. You know, they're high. Like, no, he is an important player. He's an important guy looking for what they're looking to do in their bottom six. Uh, Megan Rudo, uh, anything from from the guys who will be uh, skating this weekend that that you're anxious to see how they look when they get to camp? So main I have camp. to pick someone from the rookie tournament, not yeah. We'll, not, we'll, not do, the, we'll do the main camp okay. roster here in a sec. Okay. Uh, yeah, from from this tournament, I would really like to see 
one of the the further away forwards, I'll say, take a step. I don't really care which one. I mean, I'd love to see all of them take a step. Mm-hmm. But I think it's probably Foodie or Bocage are the ones that need to take a step. And I'm not saying, oh, they need to look like they're ready for the NHL. Right. But I would love to see them get nice. into some preseason games. I would love to see them look like they can handle the game at pseudo-NHL speed. Mm-hmm. Because we see all the time these kids – you can do it at the junior speed and yep. you get to the AHL. You can do it at the AHL speed. And then you get into NHL preseason, which is probably closer to quadruple a player than actual NHL talent. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's too fast. They can't think the game quick enough and it all falls apart. I love that for foodie too, because he's a couple months younger than a but is entering his third year in the AHL. So there's some question mark of, well, how would he play at this pacing? Then at this point, he is so young We've talked about his track a lot, but I'd be curious to see him at NHL pacing and how he would adapt. But, you know, you talk to any of these players and especially like an Alasin or Aranta, their goal is to make the Avs team, even though we've talked about the realities of that and even the room or the role that is actually available, just not being there. That's what they want. And so I'm curious to see what they do in the tournament to emphasize that, especially Alasin, because I think the recent World Juniors got him really close to game ready and got him in game action so close that he's coming into this tournament. And I think he looks pretty polished compared to some of the other players because of that recent gameplay. So I'm looking at Olausen too, to really pop in this tournament because he looked strong in day one. I would also make the point that while that's a good goal for those guys to have, they don't really want to accomplish it. I don't, especially Olsen. If he made the NHL roster immediately, he's going to be healthy scratched every night, and that's not going to do much for him. Uh, Sampo, I don't know how what that would do, but you are kind of in the weird spot where it's like, do you really want to be the 13th forward that's very clearly not going to play barring injury? I don't want that for them, right? It's detrimental. Yeah, it, Maybe it's they can't say idea. it out loud, but another year in the AHL would benefit both of them. Well, it's like if you're like if 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 you know you have like a you have Curtis McDermott as your guy, right? You that's he counts as your thirteenth forward. You carry an extra defenseman of, of whichever one you want uh, into the start of the season, and then if there's an injury, if you want to get a Ranta into a game, then what you do is you call up Sampo Ranta and you put him into a game. The the scenario where those guys make the NHL, it can't be like, all right, well, they made the team good for them. It needs to be like, they played so well, they right. literally stole someone's job. Yeah, yeah. And and, and Sampo, Sampo is the one for me. It's because of what he said. It's, it's a little bit of a combination of what he said and then what AJ was just kind of talking about where he, you know, I asked him, what's what's your goal for yourself? And, and you know, he, he had – he had been talking already about like, yeah, I improved my defensive game. I've done some video work. I've done this, that, and the other. And, and so I was expecting him to say something along those same lines. Like, oh, well, I just want to show that I can be solid. And he, I mean, without missing a beat, he said to make the avalanche. That's my goal. What I want to see out of him is, wow, he played well enough that he could have made it. We're going to send him down to keep improving on so many things that he did well. And then, yeah, put, put himself in that position to be the first call up. He's kind of the one that I'm watching. But, Rudo, I really liked your answer, too, because, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of these guys that we talk about. And, and, you know, the four of us kind of internally, we all kind of have, like, mentally where we see them, how far they are. 
And to me, a guy like Foodie and, and to a little bit lesser extent, Bocage, like those are guys that you dream on, right? You're like, wow, if that person can, if that player can turn to a full-time NHLer here in the next few years, great. Especially with a guy like Foodie, who we've gotten a couple looks at, like the things he does. You want to see, are you still progressing? Are you still getting better? Are you still getting closer to that goal of being an NHLer? Or are you really just kind of turning into, yeah, a good AHL player? Like, can you be at least showing positive signs of, of moving in the right direction? I think that's a really good answer. And look, the reality is both Andrew Cogliano and Darren Helm are 35. Yeah. I get it. They're running it back this year. Great. You can't that's keep bad. doing that forever. Uh, beyond that, McKinnon's contract is another thing that's popped back up on the radar recently. If he's making $13, $14 million, it gets a lot harder to pay some guys in your bottom six, $1.2 million. Yeah. You need some of those ELCs to come provide value for you. So while it might not be this year, like you said, it's important that those guys are taking the steps to help you in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say just as a counterpoint that we've seen guys do that though, and it hasn't mattered because look at last year as an example, you know, Martin Cout has turned himself into a really good, really consistently effective AHL player. Hasn't mattered. You know, Mikhail Maltsev. I I get it. I don't really want to get into this conversation of the Evs choices here again with who they put in their bottom six, but those options are still valuable. Yeah. And what I'm saying is, is that you do want to see them continue to take steps forward, but I think you want to see the organization continue to take steps forward too, because I agree. Like if sample Ranta has an unbelievable preseason and you send him down, you know, and you say, look, we loved what you did. We just don't have the room right now or whatever. You never know how a guy is going to take that. It could destroy the kid's confidence where he's looking at it and saying, I just did everything. What more could I have done to have made the NHL roster? And it still wasn't enough. He could take that hit where, you know, where emotionally you're, you can have a guy where it's like, God, that's really hard. You it's, know, it's not, it's not yeah, like with Newhook. That kind of gives you an answer right there on who that it, player is. I don't think it does because like with Newhook last year, he didn't have a good enough preseason. Right. He was, he was hanging around because he was Alex Newhook. When right. they sent him down, there was a lot to show him where they say, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And he took it like a champ and was like, yeah, I got to do those things. And he went and did them. The but if a guy like, goes out and like balls out and he is everything that you want and you don't, and you don't keep him, you do worry about like, how does he take I, that? I think as long as you're contextualizing it correctly and you yeah. follow through on an idea of the, look, we don't have room, but first injury, you're the guy. Yeah. Yeah, as I long agree. as the organization does that, because you remember when Andre Mironov was here again, they, I, I, they told him that. I they understand said, the abs shortcomings. Want you to be I here. do. We just don't have room. And then they pulled the ripcord, and he was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah, but but and again, like even the count thing, like like typically when you see that though, it's it's because like when they called up Andre Mironov, was he any good? Some of those games. He was okay. He was okay. He was, he was fine. He was, he had, I've talked about this recently. He had a 10 game stretch. He played, 10, I believe, 10 games for the Avs. He was really bad in a couple of them. He was really good in a couple of them. And then he was fine in all the others. He took a couple and, of dangerous penalties. Yeah. Well, he was fucking King Lowbridge. So, 
he and he had to just learn he couldn't do that in in North America. That's not allowed. But yeah. it's it's what I'm saying is like if you're going to tell a guy that he's got to do something from an organization standpoint, they've got to live up to that too. And that's where I'm not trusting of it, but I want to see Sampo. I want to see all these guys. Obviously, I want to. I want to see Sample go out this weekend and have a hat trick every single game. Mm-hmm. I want to see Sample take over and dominate. I want to see him run people over. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that for him because, you know, that's great for the Avs if they have that. I liked Rudo's answer about Bocage too because we understand what that would mean for Bocage is different than it would mean for Ranta, but. Even Bocage has to solidify what his role in an AHL lineup is going to be. And this tournament is an opportunity for me to make a case for an elevated role just within the Eagles. And I feel like it is a redemption moment for me advocating for him being in the top 10 on the prospects pyramid, because I genuinely think there are flashes of skill there that deserve a little bit of credit. And this tournament could help bolster why I said that in the first place or make me look really embarrassed. Uh, to be honest with you, without all the college guys here, he's got a big opportunity. Yep, he's here. He can make yeah. an impression. He's he's on the. He's gonna be an eagle this year. Like he's he's gonna be in the AHL. All those kids that are gonna be that you know that you know whatever I you know we we might think are higher up on that on that list or whatever. They're they're all in college still. So um, he's got the opportunity in front of him, and I'm. I said it yesterday. He, that's the best I've ever seen him live. Rosio and Steinberg hire for reasons like the ceiling for them. I see a little bit higher than what I'm seeing for Bocage, but I want to give him some credit. I feel really bad for him. I mean, I just, you know, he's kind of caught in a weird numbers game. Yeah. Um, but again, this is a numbers game that the Avs continue to put themselves in. Yep. Um, and that's Which, where. Bestie. That very quickly, I wanted to mention Zoravlyov too. He might have some of the most opportunity here just because there aren't any other genuine prospects on the defensive side. If he has a good camp, he could put himself in an eighth, ninth defenseman call-up situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, like, if if he, you know, I, I think it would be hard to put himself ahead of Jacob McDonald, but... If you have, if your if your defensive hierarchy ends up being Curtis McDermott, Jacob McDonald, and Daniil Zhiravilov, you know, things have gone well for Little Z. And if he can put himself in that, and and I, I I've said this before, but I also think some of it will matter who gets hurt, who they're replacing, because if they're replacing Josh Manson, you don't want to call up Jacob McDonald because that doesn't give you anything that you needed. Uh. So that's that's where I think good good in his own zone, effective moving up moving pucks out of out of the uh, out of his own zone and moving it forward. That's where you want to go. That's what you want to see from him. Any level of physicality you will take. Uh, he's not he's not 160 pounds. I will fight this to the death. Okay, so I actually was reflecting on this last night, and I do think the roster we were granted was current weigh-ins because I was looking at. Uh, Olausen's WJC weight and his Eagles weight, and it has changed for Foodie as well. Like Foodie put on weight this summer, so that is what is con- confusing about Lilzies. Is I think that is a current weight, but it does not make any sense to me. Um, but also to what we were saying about him positively, 
that is also an opportunity for him to demonstrate why he would be on a middle or top pairing with the Eagles and a PK guy because they're going to need it with the departure of McEwen, Gilbert, and Gross. I don't expect Z to have an, an offensive upside like Gross and replace that in any way, but they're definitely going to need a PK guy with Gilbert gone, and that's a great opportunity for Lil Z to demonstrate in this tournament that he could take on that responsibility. For the record, Nate Clarman too. I mean, Rudo keeps fucking throwing dirt on that guy's career, but Nate, I had him as one of my standouts yesterday. He refuses to die. Off screen, gun to head. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling Nate Clarman, man, that his ninth year uh, after he gets drafted, he's gonna break in. <laughs> the thing he's is, gonna like, be the next Devon Taves. He's gonna be 27 year old breakout no, in the, the, in the NHL. <laughs> I maybe could be convinced of that in another organization, but the way the abs have their defense set up and they just move pucks so aggressively, it's going to be hard for him. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, you were just talking about weight. I can't believe your is 230 pounds, by the way, which is yeah. right. <laughs> Did you see uh, him skate with his head down into traffic last night? Uh, and I... whoever it was tried to smoke him and just bounced off of him. And it was like, so that guy's a tank. <laughs> I saw this Canadians reporter tweeting out like, here's a video of Slavkovsky taking it one on five, and he gets like stripped and the puck's going the other way. I was like, weird highlight to pick. <laughs> that was him trying to go one on five, and it <laughs> predictably didn't go well. Yeah. I uh, Well, the big highlight, him chasing down that puck in the corner. He won the foot race where he started like a full body behind, and he caught that dude. Outmuscled him for a puck, got it, uh, centered it, and then they scored immediately. And it was like, yeah. all right, little superstar, uh, we see you. Yeah. One around this show out, just kind of what everyone thinks, uh, what everyone's looking for with the vets. Uh, Rudo, do you want to do one more ad read and just kind of take us home? Yeah, so we are brought to you by the Colorado Golf Association. You can go over to their website, Colorado Golf, today and get signed up for a membership to get a bunch of great deals at a number of different courses around Colorado. They're also just, you know, super awesome. So highly recommend if you're a golfer, which I don't uh, do any of you golf. It's, it's a pretty normal hockey thing to be a golfer, but I, I don't know that any of you do. I don't. And everybody asks me if I like, I need to start golfing because enough people have asked me like, Oh, do you golf? I need to, but I don't. I used to. Yeah. You have a hole in one, right? AJ? I do. I hate you. I took I lessons fucking... when I was little, but I, I was really bad. I hear you can drive the hell out of a golf cart though. Did you know at Top Golf, if you throw your club over the ledge, they won't do anything about it? It's just there forever. It's just, there's a netting, it'll catch it. Okay. Why do you know we that? We are not yeah, going to Top what? Golf. Jesus, come on. How you know, many you push them over the edge of they won't do anything. Yeah. It's like, okay, Megan. She's not to blow the rules. <laughs> yeah. You just have to know how to get away with stuff. Anyway. The CGA offered genocide and all the knives that she's apparently <laughs> hiding around the city. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. The CGA allows you to play many different exclusive golf clubs, including Aspen Glen, the club at Ravenna, the Pinery, and many, many more. So check it out today. When you go to sign up for a membership at coloradogolf.org, you can use the code DNVR5 to get $5 off. Uh, we're also brought to you by Athletic Greens, something that Megan and Jesse actually do. Uh, 
you could get some of that today from athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. It's got 75 different vitamins and minerals, a bunch of probiotics and adaptogens, and all of this good stuff for your body, your immune system. People use it to help with that. They use it as their pre-workout routine. Many athletes use it as just part of their daily routine to keep them looking good, feeling good. So highly recommend you check it out. A lot of us here quietly use it as a great hangover cure because we kind of do work at a bar. So <laughs> it's part of it too. Uh, you can check it out at athleticgreens.com slash avalanche today. And when you order, it comes with a year's supply of vitamin D. So take control of your health and get yourself some athletic greens. Accidentally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, uh, yeah, so this is yeah, third period. And, and really, guys, like, let's just, I just wanted to head into the weekend just with everyone's thoughts of we got main camp coming up. We got to see some of the vets on the ice next week. Uh, who is the guy or guys uh, that you're keeping a special eye on? Um, believe it'll be Thursday when they actually hit the ice that you're just wanting to see, Hey, look, it's only been two months and we saw you, but have any of these guys taken a step? Are they filling a new role? Who is it that you guys are looking at? For me, it's Josh Manson. Um, Interesting. Wow. Because the uh, leash, the, the, the new, the new lease on life that he had uh, that has to last. If he is the Josh Manson that was in Anaheim or even the Josh Manson that was in Colorado during the regular season, that contract's going to be a problem and it's going to be a problem right away. Um, they really are banking that postseason Josh Manson is the one that they're going to get as an Av. And if that's the guy that they get, they're thrilled because he was aggressive. He fit their style. He did his, he did. He did what they wanted him to do. He was physical. He was mean. It's hard to play against. Uh, he was good defensively. He handled his business. Provided a, a really stable uh, partner for Sam Gerrard when they were together. But added the dynamic element of he was he had a little offensive jump to him. There was a little bit. The, and and it wasn't like it wasn't like it was. Oh, I'm just throwing pucks at the net and good things are happening. He was making things happen. He was activating. He's jumping into plays. He is creating. Uh, you know what? But who is who's the guy that uh, McKinnon is trying to pass the puck to on the Stanley Cup winning goal? He's the third guy there. Yeah. Like Josh Josh Manson. Josh Manson was exceptional in the postseason for for what they paid for him for what they wanted uh that role if he continues to do that and he ends he might be their sixth defenseman this year by by ice time he might end up as their sixth d as a four million dollar guy and i i mean it would make perfect sense like but but him next to sam gerard they were so good together that what their pairings and Josh Manson, like how they end up allotting that ice time, what their pairings actually end up being, I think is going to be a really interesting thing. Uh, but, but the Josh Manson gamble, it hasn't really gotten talked about a lot because we were, we were all so happy with him in the postseason, and uh, it was, it just worked out and then they signed him and it was just, it was a good, it was a fine contract. And, Everybody kind of was just like, yeah, okay, this all makes sense. But, like, there is risk here. He's 30 years old already. Josh Manson has to be the guy that he was in the postseason. If he's the guy that he was in the regular season, they're going to have a problem. Uh, it's one thing to have Jack Johnson making 750 k providing you with, eh, play. 
You can't spend $4 million and be wrong. You've got to get surplus value out of those guys. Those are the contracts that sink teams all the time. So Josh Manson, for me, it's Josh Manson. I want to see big, mean, physical, aggressive Josh Manson, but also I'm here I'm here to vibe. I, I get to play offense now. They let me do things with the puck. They want me to jump in the play. Let's go ham, fam. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Megan? Well, to the Manson point, I'm just hoping to see healthy Sam Gerrard. Like, we expect that he's healthy, but I just hope that that's evident yeah. in how he's playing. And then cop-out answer is Georgiev, how he's looking, first impression. Fair enough. Um, and how he's looking after a week of camp with Parkla and the stylings and teachings mm, of yeah. that ending ex- that coaching experience and how that gets him looking for just before the season. I don't think that's a cop out answer. I, th- I think that's a good one. Cause I mean, like when you look at this team, there really aren't because they are running back a Stanley cup winning team. Like there's not a ton of areas where it's like, Hmm, well, how is this going to work out? Uh, but Georgiev is definitely, definitely one of them where you're wondering what do we have here? Is this Georgiev from three, four years ago when he first broke in and everyone was saying one of the next big number ones, or is this the guy that the Avs torched for like six goals last year? You know what I mean? Like you got to figure that out. And and then the, the point there with Parkula is another, um, he seemed to have some magic touch in the last few years. It'll be interesting to see what, what he gets out of uh, Georgiev, which I'm really looking forward to writing all year. It's their, it's their biggest question mark going into the season. Mm-hmm. Like, again, everybody kind of just shrugged and was like, oh, the Avs just make good decisions. So it's whatever. But, like, this was a guy that was in a sub-900 save percentage backup last year who has gotten a little bit worse every year of his NHL career, who is now the starting goaltender for the defending Stanley Cup champions. This is a huge storyline. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. huge storyline. Georgiev, uh, Georgiev is a – it's like the right answer. <laughs> uh, Rudo, you're muted. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, the other obvious answer here is the 2C guys, right? We know it's it's probably Erod's job to lose, but I'm really curious to see how they rotate guys in, especially, look, the first preseason game is actually two preseason games. They send new hook – to Minnesota, do they keep Erod here? Do they give them both opportunities. How does JT Comfer rotate into that situation? Are they going to give Nico time at 2C again? There's a lot of things that I think people have all just kind of decided, oh, well, Erod will be the 2C. I think it's his job to lose, but I don't know that it's that clear cut. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and New Hook is my answer. She kind of falls into that, you know, um, 2C guys. Because uh, again, I I really do like I'm putting a lot of stock in. He had a he had a really good rookie year, and we at times forgot that it was his rookie year. We wanted to see the more responsibility dropped on him in the playoffs. Um, he, he didn't get it, and, and in my eyes, that's okay. This is a first year player you're talking about. But now you're in your second year. You've gone through that Stanley Cup run. I you know I talked to Yusis Annan yesterday, and he said how valuable it was for him just to be able to be around the team during that let alone a guy like Newhook or, or, you know, Byram who got to live it, be part of it every day, be, you know, you're in the games. Um, How much has that had an impact on Newhook? And and is he ready to take that next step and really start working towards that 2C where when you see the injuries, um, it is kind of the, the, you know, the the knee jerk reaction. Yep. You put Newhook there. We think he can handle it in smaller and smaller bites, 
Uh, I, I just want to see, has he taken any steps in the last two months, um, drawn on any of that experience to push his game to the next level? Watching him at that captain's skate yesterday, obviously it's the captain's skate and it's really low impact and all that stuff, but man, he was shooting the puck and again, kind of like a louse. And that's the skill about new hook that you're like, if you can do that at that level, uh, you know, you're, you're going to give yourself a fighting chance to, to be an effective player. So uh, for me, it's new hook. For, for the record, to respond to the guy in chat that said, except for the playoffs, when Georgiev posted a 935 save percentage, two relief appearances, less than 60 minutes played. <laughs> but they yeah. were less than 60 minutes. So, not, yeah, it's not that it's not good. Like, yeah, that is a good save percentage, but yeah, he had in, in those appearances, uh, he had 19 saves on 20 shots and 10 saves on 11 shots. So, yeah, Av's just using if that's, the if that's what you're putting your hope on, gonna uh, champion the idea of the reliever in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, Frankie becomes their opener. He plays the first period of playoff games, and then Georgiev comes in. I don't think that's close it out. Uh, that's pretty much all we got, Rudo. This is this is your show, man. If you had anything else to add, I'm 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 out of. It's shit. our show, first of it's all. It's not my show. Well, I know, but you you drive the bus on most things. No, I I think you're good. I mean, I'm assuming you guys talked about some of the other news and stuff yeah. off the top. We talked about yeah. Wheeler, what's going on in Winnipeg, and- yeah. Yeah. Um, we mentioned that Nathan McKinnon went on 32 thoughts and gave a little more of an update. And yeah, it's about it. Yeah. The only thing that, I, and I guess we don't, I don't know if we need to get into it, especially now at an hour and five, especially since we just talked about it. But obviously the, the three quotes that have come out, McCarr, McKinnon, McDavid, when asked about Hockey Canada, um, two of the guys, I thought what all did, three guys did, tried to like say? avoid I didn't getting, see that. What did who? McKinnon say? Uh, he, he, I mean, he said, look, I, I, I haven't really been like privy to all the details, but what happened is wrong. Like, that's the only thing there is. This, I, don't, I don't remember exactly. I think he said, that's the main thing. Like he made the point of like, look, I, I, I haven't been talked to about it. Like, I don't know much. I know as much as everyone else, but all I know is whatever happened was not, was not okay. And that's the only thing that really matters. McCarr said there needs to be changes. And then McDavid comes out and says, eh, it's terrible for everyone. I love playing for Hockey Canada. It's horrible for everyone. Uh, and, and it's just one of those things where, again, like I don't necessarily think that Connor McDavid needs to like be shipped to Antarctica for that. But it's like, bro, if that was your answer, like just don't say anything. Like it just it's tone deaf. Like, come on, man. It is interesting to compare – that response to what LeBron James had to say about the Robert Sarver suspension yeah, in the NBA. He, he came out hard against. Where he came out and was light. like, yeah. it's, it's a joke. It's not enough. This is unacceptable in our league. We can't let this stand. And, you know, I just thought that was, I don't know. I'm very pro, Le- I'm very pro LeBron James, so. Ever since the movie Trainwreck, I'm a big LeBron James guy. He's hilarious in that movie. I don't know about that China stuff, but we don't have to get into that. I we'll talk about this off air, but I yeah, fair enough. Like, but, I think it's fair. I think it's fair enough. I found those three quotes interesting to me because all three guys you could tell have been instructed, like, hey, don't tread too far into those waters. Like, don't say anything that can 
is going to put you in the middle of it. So you can tell that all three guys are trying to dance around it. And two of those guys were able to do that while still simultaneously condemning what happened and the investigations and what's going on. And the other guy just kind of danced around it all together. And I just thought it was, it was interesting to me. Yeah. Well, McDavid also doesn't get very much benefit of the doubt after how he handled all the Evander yeah. Kane conversations. Yeah. All the while. He got, he got really defensive and was like, Oh, if you guys don't like it more or less get over it. Wait, wait, the what conversations? Evander Kane. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I thought you said the Banner King. I was like, the Banner King conversations. Like, I am not familiar with who's the Banner King. Nashville Predators? Yeah. No, I mean, you see, do you see the the picture of the ice that they laid down in Ball Arena? You notice that they've already shifted the banners up top. And it's like, if you're the Nuggets, do you feel just a little bad here? That this organization has only been in town since 96 and has quadruple the banners that you do. And half the Nuggets banners are like kind of fluff anyways. It's like, well, "Eh, like, like one of them is like the number of games that Doug Moe coached. Right. And you're like, yeah. Did you see that? Oh, sorry. The important ones. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What'd you say? It, it's really not important. It was the funny tweet about the Suns using imported Swiss water like Colorado used because it's durable and makes them faster. But it, it's a it's a joke, but it was funny. They oh. showed the ice being laid out for the Suns. It Wait, got a lot. Yeah, like they're saying oh. they're using imported Swiss water just like Colorado used. Oh, oh. I thought you said the Suns. I was thinking ASU like that. Oh, no, no, no. Interesting. <laughs> that is funny. Okay, yeah. I've missed all of this. I was I was playing lawn bowling simulator all night. Um. Cool. Yeah, that's all I've got. <laughs> yeah, that's the only other thing. We're forty minutes away from a rookie tournament game one for the Avs. Like same. Yes, streamed on the Avs site. People keep messaging us about it. Yep. Yes, it's it, going to be streamed on the Avs site. All it of it will be on the San Jose. If it's Sharks not, YouTube if it's not on as well. Yeah, if it's not on the app site, we'll be on the other team's site because uh, that's just how this runs now. Yep. So <laughs> we'll be watching. We'll have I will have a post game review for you. Uh, should be fun. I think Megan is doing a post game article, so if you're a reader, yeah. be sure to go check that out. Tomorrow night's game, uh, I know at least uh, Rudo and I will be hanging out in the Discord channel. Yep. Watching tomorrow's uh, tournament game as well. Yep. So sweet. Should be fun. But yeah, yeah. I think we're we're out of here. So appreciate all y'all. I'll talk to you in my video in a couple hours after the game. I'm sure everyone else will will see you around. Come join the DNVR lounge if you want to vibe with us. Uh, certainly tomorrow, but you know, we're also in there chatting all the time. So until the next one, we will talk to you later.